In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. Fun, 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 fun. Light speed to the wondrous and wonderful. Cover is not the book, so open it up and take a look. Ah, if it isn't the only bookworm in town. What's that word again? Inspired. I have to sing. I have to play. The music, it's, it's not just in me. It is me. We're happier when you don't sing. Welcome to Notably Disney, your ultimate podcast covering Disney music and books. I'm Brett Knackman, your host. Here we dig a little deeper and explore the great wide somewhere about everything under the Walt Disney Company umbrella as it pertains to tunes and writing, from the theme parks and television screens to the Broadway stage and the silver screen, if it relates to anything Disney songs, soundtracks, books, articles, or other things that you can listen to, or read about involving Disney, we'll examine it here. One of my favorite aspects of visiting the Disney parks is participating in attractions, shows, parades, etc. that have really dynamic scripts. And for me, what elevates a script is if there's a good dose of humor, and needless to say, at Disneyland Resort and Walt Disney World Resort, there are so many attractions that feature very hilarious scripts. And so I felt like that would be an opportunity for Huron Notably Disney to kind of capture and reflect on some of those funny quotes from attractions. So I'm excited to invite back on Tammy Tucky of the Tammy Tucky Show podcast. Of course, you have heard her uh, several times here on Notably Disney and felt like Tammy would be a good person to join me on this topic. So I invite you to listen in to our conversation of our funniest attraction quotes. When discussing the subject of humor and Disney theme park attraction quotes, one former guest on the show who induced much laughter with her witty sense of humor and spirited personality came to mind. So joining me on this episode of Notably Disney to talk about funniest Disney theme park attraction quotes is Tammy Tucky of the Tammy Tucky Show. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me, Brett. It's been a long time, but I'm glad I'm back to have some fun because I love quotes. So this is totally up my alley and fun stuff. So I'm good. (laughs) I definitely knew it'd be up your alley, Tammy. So that's why I'm glad you could be on. I I think we're going to uncover some quotes that maybe folks wouldn't ordinarily think of um, just because we are major Disney aficionados here. So we'll go into the weeds. We'll talk about current attractions, extinct extinct attractions, a uh, mix of a lot. Um, and we'll get into that in just a few moments. But I'd like to begin um, for you to share a little bit about a cool project you have um, underway, which is related to an album fundraiser that you're conducting. Um, can you share a little bit more about the project? Sure. Yes. I, I did an album five years ago. It was like a Walt Disney World themed cover album 
called You'll Find Me on Main Street, which you can still find on, on Spotify and iTunes Music and Amazon. And it was so much fun because I covered music from Walt Disney World specifically. So songs that really have never been covered before. And uh, the most asked question I've been asked in five years since that album has come out is, when's the second one coming out? So I'm, I'm working on one now, a second album, um, but I have an Indiegogo campaign this time around to hit a goal of $10,000. We're close to the $3,000 mark now, and we have 44 days to go to hit the goal of 10000 because this is an all or nothing campaign. So I'm so grateful you're having me on the show to kind of talk a little bit about it. And with Indiegogo, we can offer perks this time around. So um, if we had... 500 people donate $20 each, we would actually hit our mark already. And if you do donate $20, um, you can have the opportunity of getting the album, a digital copy of it, as soon as it releases next April, 2023, if we go through and hit our goal. Um, and there are other, op- there are other tiers too. So like, if you just wanted to down, you know, donate $5, you can do that. Um, some people have been donating $100, $500. There are so many different um, excuse me. There are so many different types of perks and things that you can get out of donating to the project to help fund it and make it um, a success. So, um, and also like it all goes to this album. It's just me. I'm producing it and um, going to be performing all the songs, but I want it to sound the best it can be because, you know, this is an just an audio medium. So we want the best instrumentals. We want the best recording and mastering of the album itself. And, um, and we want to release it as a physical CD this time, because it will, instead of just being seven songs, it will be nine cover songs and an original song written by myself. So if you, if you're interested, um, please head to my website at tammytucky.com. The album trailer is at the top and right below it is a little button that says, come take me to the Indiegogo website site where you can go to the campaign and donate there until July 11th. Um, or you can also just go to Indiegogo.com and type in my name, Tammy Tucky. And I'll be posting things along the way on my social media pages. So you can find me at Tammy Tucky on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook too. It's such a cool effort, Tammy. And I think it's worth noting for listeners who are joining in uh, perhaps the day of this podcast episodes released that we are recording now probably about nine, 10 days before um, this episode is being released. So I would imagine nine or 10 days from now, um, the, you know, the funds will be even stronger. Um, and <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed, right? Um, yes. <laughs> but, and what I also appreciate too, is that you're very explicit on the page in terms of how the funds are being utilized and, and what you just described there, because you want it to be top quality and there's a lot yes. of intentionality behind it as well. I can tell. And you can listen to my previous album just to get a taste of like what the quality is, because we're now featured, which I just found out a month ago, I'm featured on several different Spotify playlists for Disney, which is so exciting and amazing because I'm listed up there with like the originals, you know what I mean? And I'm like, I feel so honored. <laughs> Good covers are are great. So, um, yes. and I, I do remember enjoying those. And and what's cool too is because you have such a an appreciation for like lesser familiar Disney songs and older Disney songs is that that often manifests in your work in terms of like your, your, your Epcot related pieces, for instance. So oh, I, I think that's it. really nice. They all play like a part in the, the first album. All of those songs played a part in my, my just growing up as a kid, because you heard them incessantly. 
and I, I loved it. Uh, and so this new album, I actually already have a track list of what I want and that's all ready to go. And I have to get it approved by Disney first and then have hopefully the album, fu- you know, funded. Um, but I already have like my list of what I really want to do. And I think a lot of people will really enjoy what I have featured on it. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing this materialize and, <laughs> In the meantime, I recognize we have some quotes to discuss, yes. and uh, and this was a unique topic. As I was sharing with you before we recorded today, I, I've had this idea kind of on the docket for a while, but just trying to figure out, okay, how do I want to assemble it? And mind you, quotes are fantastic because they give flavor and context to the situation. And in the case of humor, they they just bring joy and and happiness and and. So that's why I'm just interested in exploring this intersection of Disney and humor and attraction quotes. And certainly there's a lot to choose from. Uh, and I proposed some criteria that we think of in assembling our lists, which we have not shared with one another. Yes. Uh, I don't know that... it's going to be listed at all. <laughs> right. I'm kind of nervous because I'm like, I feel like we're going to have a couple that we 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 probably both have picked. <laughs> I, I, I'm curious. Yeah, I'm really curious about that. Um, and, and, you know, in kind of establishing the boundaries here, I said, okay, let's pick five from currently operating attractions in the U.S. Disney theme parks, as well as five quotes from extinct attractions. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically yes. rides or shows or experiences that are no longer there um, or maybe in a different iteration, but just not currently existing. And attractions, you know, we can think of rides, we think of shows, parades. Um, in that way, I'm, I said, let's be a little bit more loose with the term attraction, right? It could be an experience. Basically, anything in the parks where there's definitely a recording of a quote and one that is humorous. How we define humor, I, I'm curious about your take on what, how you view <laughs> things as funny. But um, I also said, let's try to find a quote that's only uttered by one character mm-hmm. um, because... That's a little bit hard, but it is sometimes important to give that contextual information, right? So yes, something's often very to. funny because it follows something that's the setup for the punchline, or uh, you know, uh, adds to that context. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of some of the criteria that I established. But how are you making sense of this when I propose the topic and thinking about this criteria? I well, I think I think that's why most of these quotes that we're probably going to talk about, everybody knows about. Or they, they recall because humor is the way to people's hearts, in my opinion. You know what I mean? You can get sentimental and have those sad and sappy and romantic quotes, too, that a lot of people love. But humor is something that people just go to. Like, um, for instance, I, I'm watching like old SNL episodes. And it's so interesting because I've heard so many quotes in my time and I have never seen the actual episode where maybe they've appeared, but those quotes like at last forever, you you know, two wild and crazy guys, or, you know, the, the, the shark, um, at the door, at the, at the, uh, weekend update, you know, things like that. So I think humor hits in such a different way that people remember that more so than they probably remember, you know, a different, a different quote from, you know, a sad film or something like that. So I think this was like perfect. And, and it was, it was easy to create the list. I just added some more because I didn't know for sure if we were going to cross reference on ours. (laughs) Right, right. And I think, you know, there's a good chance of that happening. And, you know, I appreciate how you, you gave some context to why, why people are drawn to humor. And, 
a really good book. It's not Disney related, but I'll still recommend it. It's by Ken Jennings, the Jeopardy champion. It's called Planet Funny, and it's all about humor and society and how it presents itself in different settings and it kind of de- you know deconstructs what humor is. And so it's a really enjoyable and amusing read. Uh, but yeah. you know, I also think what's what's important with funny quotes is delivery and how yes. it's said. And by whom's often someone with a, a familiar voice or a notable or distinct voice can play into that, um, complemented mm-hmm. by the character in which they're portraying. So I'll, I'll be interested to see how that intersects in our lists. Yes, I'm. I'm really, I, I, and I, I'm. I'm excited to see if there are any that you pick that I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that. I should have put that on my list. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be interesting. And I will preface this, that there is one uh, one attraction in which I'm using two quotes. So um, I didn't I, know if we were allowed to like cheat and use something that's from a song that's just as cheeky and clever. Oh, so I, that's why I, I put. Yeah, that's why I put something specific, because I was like, I didn't know for sure if that would be OK. So, yeah, let's let's. Yeah. I think you, you, you should, you should go with that. Okay. I, d- I didn't know for sure. So that's why I wanted to double check. Yeah. No, and I mean, that's a, an assembling list. Like I think it's important to come up with some criteria, right? So we're not totally off the mark, but you know, let's, Correct. you know, let's be malleable. So yes. we'll, we'll see how, how it unfolds, but would you like to kick us off as we talk about currently current attractions? Sure. Yes. So current attractions. So the one that's been there and was the most recent update was in 1994 is Carousel of Progress. So I think everybody knows this quote is Uncle Orville going, no privacy at all around this place. No privacy at all around this place. And we all hear that one. And and luckily, since I was there for the 50th, I got to get the Uncle Orville ice cream. I was going to ask you that. I, it was so delicious. The bathtub was adorable. I still have it. And thank gosh I did because they ran out of them like within the day. So I was like, oh, it was great. So, and, and I love the line. So it was the perfect thing. I wish they still offered it because I just was there in April. We went back to see if it was offered the ice cream dishes, but not the bathtub. So, <laughs> and that's the novelty aspect of it. You can, yes. How often can you say that you're eating ice cream out of a bathtub? <laughs> And it's such a, it's, and I love how it's so, it's really for the fans because I mean, how many folks would ordinarily appreciate that? So exactly. That's what I'm saying. So I wish it was still there. I guess it was the problem of, you know, taking it home because it's all sticky. So I just went into the bathroom next door to anti-gravities and just rinsed it out and made sure I didn't make a mess and put it in a little plastic Disney bag. And I was good to go and just carried it around all day. (laughs) That's great. Um, (laughs) Any thoughts of Uncle Orville as a character? Besides, I mean, he's he's used very <laughs> limitedly, right? It's not like uh, yeah, when he, you think he, of top he's... ten Disney characters, that's who comes to mind. But I'm still curious. I know that I know that Mel Blanc voiced him, and that was like the only thing he ever did for Walt Disney, is that line. And and he's known for being Bugs Bunny and all these other wonderful Looney Tune characters. And my dad got to meet him and. Um, and uh, and he said he was a very lovely man. So he has a picture with him, which is really cool. Oh, neat. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what's Ol- yours? What is your first one that you have? I am actually going to stay in the same territory because my first one is also from the Carousel of Progress. But it's not Uncle Orville. So 
So it's Jimmy, the boy. That's because I used my beautiful sister Patty's picture for a model. That's because I'm using my beautiful sister Patty's picture for a model. <laughs> that comes during the Halloween scene in which uh, he's showcasing his jack-o'-lantern. And the father says, oh boy, that's scary. And then hence Jimmy says that line where he kind of snickers and is very playful about his older sister. Oh, you're always kidding poor Patty. She's certainly prettier than either of you. <laughs> that's what the mom says right after. I know that show by heart, so sorry. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> I was going to say you knew that off the top of your head. Yes, I love I love that attraction so much. I think that I could probably make my list of all five quotes from the attraction, let's be honest. I was trying not to, so. <laughs> that's a good, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, I often lament the fact that Disney hasn't updated the attraction. It's so well overdue for that, particularly the final scene, but there is a timelessness to it. And ultimately it's just a, a fun and, and sentimental ride slash show for for so many of us so yes I, I like that we we're on the same <laughs> wavelength about carousel progress there even if it's different are. characters yes of course if it's different characters for sure <laughs> do you want to so yeah go so, far yeah so my next one i have um is uh from the american adventure so uh this one is uh john muir and he goes any fool can destroy trees. Why, for more than 3,000 years, God has cared for our giant sequoias, saved them from drought, disease, avalanches, and floods. But he cannot save them from fools. And those are Tammy Tucky's vocal skills on display. <laughs> I can't help myself. I have to do like I have to do it as the person because it's just, it's so funny to me. I love it. <laughs> Any fool can destroy when for more than 3,000 years, God has cared for our giant sequoias, saved them from drought, disease, avalanches, and floods, but he cannot save them from fools. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, if you have the talent, do that. I don't think I could necessarily imitate Jimmy from uh, Carousel Progress quite accurately, but... Um... <laughs> and, and the American Adventure has so many characters to choose from, or not even characters, like people you know humans real historic people and some of the quotes are derivated uh from um different conversations that they did have or written pieces so that is something that is a similar quote to my recollection from researching it that is something similar to what john muir had stated very very various different times so i always found that was hilarious <laughs> And there's so, such authenticity yeah. in that attraction, too, in terms of trying to capture the nuances of individuals, particularly, you know, some of these um, individuals who were, you know, prior to or right around the time of photography emerging, like that, that's the challenge and opportunity for the Imagineers in order to capture their likeness and, and even just the notion of voice, right? Like if there's not vocal recordings of some of these individuals who, you know, existed during a time before vocal recordings, how, how are you going to, you know, attain those nuances, right? So like, you know, I think of like a, a Ben Franklin, for instance. So I think that's a really interesting element that you're saying there in terms of trying to capture like the accuracy of the quotes, because I think it's also kind of pervades throughout the attraction in terms of trying to, you know, the Imagineers looking up at, you know, different historical writings about what people sounded like or, or, you know, pieces of clothing that they wore, little, little nuances. 
I, and I, that's, that's one of the attractions that is a must do for me. And recently probably people saw my tweet. It went viral, but only because I was there at the right time. I was there and that scene, poor Teddy, his trousers had fell down because his belt broke. And I was the, one of the last shows of the evening. So I actually went over to the, to the cast members. They didn't see it because the way that the audio animatronics are positioned, because they just sit over in the corner John Muir is in the way. So they didn't even see it. So I had to show it to them and they fixed it two days later. But poor Teddy. <laughs> I, I just remember like I was looking at the scene because I was really close. I was in the front row and I'm just look, looking at all the decorations and stuff. And I saw that and I went, I've never seen this before. And I thought maybe I was just like seeing things, but no, I took a picture really quickly because the scene goes by quickly. So that was my claim to fame last month. That was, it was just crazy. Everybody was like, can't believe this happens, but apparently it does like happen a lot. You know, things just happen with the audio animatronics and they're always being taken care of and having new clothing because some things just, um, you know, have wear and tear on them after years. They're, you know, they're not wearing the original costumes they wore in 1982. They're wearing many, probably many different versions of the same costume from years, years later. <laughs> so I'm surprised I didn't see Teddy's trousers trending on Twitter, though. <laughs> it was but on a, a pair. I was picked up by all these Disney sites. I heard from five different people on wow. my friend list who are, have no relation to Disney. And they were like, um, we just saw your name on this like blog post. And I'm like, Oh, it's yeah. That was me. <laughs> That's so hilarious. Yeah. yeah it was, pre- it was pretty funny. So, but Teddy's all good again. He's, he's all set. <laughs> good deal. Good deal. Well, I, I like that quote from John Muir and I have always <laughs> you a quote from a certain chief flight attendant from Soren, so our friend Patrick. Please take a seat and store all carry-on items in the underseat compartment. This includes cameras, purses, hats, and of course, these little beauties. When the doors to your flight open, please take a seat and store all carry-on items in the underseat compartment. This includes cameras, purses, hats, and of course, these little beauties. Now, the brilliance of the quote is not just <laughs> Patrick's awesome delivery, and we both adore Kronk and also the character of Patrick in Soren, but it's the it's the visual cue that accompanies this, where you see a uh, an uh, you know a younger middle-aged man who removes his mouse ears to reveal a rather balding head, and that's what makes it amusing because, well. Uh, who wants to remove their mouse ears <laughs> and also to, to unveil that. But you know what? Uh, Patrick makes it great. And also that I love the guy's reaction. So that's why I enjoy it. it. No, it's perfect. And I, and I got to interview Patrick on my podcast and he is a brilliant comedian. And I, that that's why you have to really, when you are in a, in a Disney attraction, you I'm sure everybody's honored to be in one, but you want to make it as memorable as possible. And that it's just perfect. I think that came out like right after Ember's new groove mm-hmm. because yeah. it was out in Disneyland first, right. As you said. So, um, which I didn't know until I was a little bit older. Cause I thought it, it's premiere in Epcot was the big shindig. I didn't realize that, but it made sense because they end the original film in Disneyland, not Disney world. So, but, um, I, yeah, he's so brilliant and, and I just, I can listen to his voice all day. He could read the phone book <laughs> and make it sound funny. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, he absolutely can. And, and you're right in terms of timing, right? So Emperor's New Groove debuted in December 2000 and California Adventure opened just a month and a half later, February 2001. So yeah. it's funny to think about from like the lens of a child as I was at the time where you would hear Krong's voice and then you're hearing it come out of this flight attendant on Soren and realizing, oh my gosh, that's the same person. Uh, and and it was so nice that they, you know, they reused the same footage for the, for Soren in Florida, and they just edited out the uh, over California line. So, um, yes, absolutely. I, I think it's, and I I miss that version of the attraction, the soaring over California at at Disney. I don't do the over the world. I'm not really interested in that. I go around the world at Epcot. <laughs> So I, I, I don't, I don't need to, um, <laughs> I don't need to go over the world. <laughs> California, I wish I could go all the time. That would be cool, but no. <laughs> yeah, no, and the theming in California being all, like the, you know, it was like the test pilot area that was just wonderful. And now they've, you know, renovated a little bit to be more like the Redwoods, but yes. um, as opposed to the um, airfield, but no, it's a, it's a great line and great attraction. Tammy, what's your next pick? So my next one is from Muppet Vision 3D. So I'm bringing it up here. Um, so mine is, is the, the setup is uh, with Fozzie Bear. So I have to read the first line because it doesn't make sense with the two responses. They are from two different characters, but th- these characters are known of, of responding with each other. So Fozzie Go- Bear goes, oh, not you guys. How did you get here? And Waldorf says, we entered a contest. And Statler says, yeah, we lost. Oh, not you guys. How did you get here? We entered a contest. Yeah, we lost. (laughs) (laughs) You can't go wrong with Muppet Vision 3D. It's it the the dialogue is so much fun, and Statler and Waldorf are my favorite Muppet characters, hands down. (laughs) Well, and the brilliance with that attraction is you both get a pre-show, which is fantastic in its own right and the main attraction so it's it's like a two-for-one package with so many fantastically funny lines and that's their trademark humor yes. it's one one upping the other with one the upping the other yeah and 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 just uh the, the critics that we all hear from all the time they were the original youtube critics <laughs> or twitter disney twitter <laughs> so what's yours what's yours next your next one i hope i didn't steal that one from you You didn't but i do have uh two from up vision but i'll do them one at a time but i'm actually going to see if you'll indulge me i'm going to put this in the chat and i'm going to ask that you read the first character's line if you can and i will do the response which is my actual quote are you up okay for it? perfect i'm ready i'm ready okay uh, this is improv this is a very moving moment yeah, I wish they'd move it to Pittsburgh. This is a very moving moment. Yeah, I wish they'd move it to Pittsburgh. <laughs> and that's close to where I am. So yeah, bring it on to Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, some Pennsylvania love. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> that comes during the scene when um, uh, when Bean Bunny uh, is, you know, he kind of leaves and he wants to be on his own and, and Kermit and Fozzie and others, they try to get him back. And and so, of course, Sattler and Waldorf are commenting on that particular instance because they have to. And what's nice is yeah. the, the, the duality between Statler and Waldorf as physical audio animatronics in the balcony and then 
the characters, which are in 3D form on the screen, and them kind of interacting with one another. So I, I love that element to it as well. It's it's so it's so perfect. Like that's the Disney attraction you want. You don't want all screens because there is one big screen, but the whole theater is involved in the fun. So that's that's what makes it very unique. So brilliant attraction. And and it's hard to believe that it it's still there after all these years, but in wonderful condition. Cause when I saw it when I was in April, it was like everything was working. You know what I mean? Swedish chef penguins, you know, like it, it's so cool to see it all come together. Although I do wish they had sold a Waldo like plush because I think Waldo is adorable. And that was something that they missed out. <laughs> and they've never utilized him outside of that context. It's a missed opportunity. So I don't get that. I, but, but maybe it came with the fact that poor Jim Henson passed mm. and all of these plans that they had for the Muppets kind of went down the drain. I, I, I if you look online, there are more pieces about that specifically and it's so sad because you know walking around that area it's not like it was 10 years ago only because star wars is there and there there were too many big distractions into getting into the land because they're all about the immersion which is a shame but you know it is what it is even the old kermit balloon that hovered over that area um and the and some of the murals um I wonder yeah. what they did with that. I actually, I'm sure they kept that in the archives. I was going to say, or they gave it back to the Hensons. Yeah, I, I would. I would think that would make sense. Um, We're going to find out. If anybody knows, <laughs> let us know. Send an email to Brett at Brett at StatlerandWaldorf.com. <laughs> exactly. I, I need to. I need to showcase their love more prominently online, <laughs> uh, if not for gifts. But yeah, it's you know, it's a. It's a very funny attraction, and and I'm I'm glad that as you're saying that Disney is still maintaining it as opposed to letting it go. I think a really good representation of that is several years ago they like made the film digital, so it's so crisp and, and oh, just, it's it's beautiful. It's fantastic, see. and you can yeah. find videos of it online without the 3D when uh, like film, so to speak, the 3D layover, and it and it looks really really clear, which is great. So. Yes, it's beautiful. And I, I, that's why I'm like, I'm such a fan of being able to go and see it again and bring people that who have maybe never experienced the Muppets before or have experienced them, but never seen the show before. It's the perfect type of introduction to that. And I love how Sweetums is still involved. Like they have to have Sweetums in the theater. It's so cool. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, you would think that that's one of the first attractions to go out of all of the, the shows or attractions from 1989 and on, but no, it's still there. It wasn't their opening day, but it's still there. You know, I think it was came out like a year or two after opening day. So yeah, yeah, and it was the last <laughs> production that Jim Henson was involved with prior to his yes. passing. So yes, yeah, I think it's it was brilliant. 91. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Um, what's your next choice? So my next one is from the Tomorrowland People Mover. It's the Paging Morrow, Mr. Tom Morrow. Paging Mr. Morrow, Mr. Tom Morrow. I think it's just such like, everybody gets it. Everybody gets the joke. And I think it's such a little cute little addition to just being on the ride. So I'm glad it's still there. I think they took it out for some reason. And then there was such an uproar. This is when they updated the the narration because of Stitch and Monsters, Inc. 
and they took it out and people were like, Ooh, and then they had to put it back in and they did. So I'm glad they did. <laughs> Sometimes Disney fans can make a difference, not with Mr. Toad, but at least with that. So. <laughs> oh, Mr. Toad. Thank goodness he's still there at Disneyland because I don't remember him at Walt Disney World because I was so young at the time. So getting to ride there right in Disneyland was a hoot. <laughs> Well, and I love how Disney has played up on the the Mr. Tom Morrow line. I think it even materializes in some merchandise now. So it's like they found found ways to kind of capitalize on the fact that people love the playful humor. So, um, so yeah, it only makes sense. I love it. Okay, now your turn. <laughs> okay, so we're back to Muppet Vision. I'm afraid. So okay, I'm fine with that. So I'm doing Let's two do from it. Muppet Vision. So I'm like, I couldn't just pick one. So. Um, would you like to reenact it with me? I would love to. Go ahead. Hit okay. me with your best shot. All right. So you're going to read the first line and I'll read the second one, which is my specific quote. Okay. Okay. So the first line's me? The first line. Okay. You are not Mickey Mouse. You are a rat. Rat schmat. Besides, they're Taurus. What do they know? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You are not Mickey Mouse. You are a rat. Rich, man. Besides, they're tourists. What do they know? And that, of course, thanks, Tammy. That, of course, comes during the pre-show when Rizzo the rat dresses up as Mickey Mouse, and he does the. Da, 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 da. Hi, Hi there. Welcome to my park. How you doing? <laughs> I love Sam Eagle. I think like he's the perfect foil for the ridiculousness. And so I I was always, I was glad when they brought, when they had the show at at Liberty Square, I was like, ah, Sam the Eagle, because he he is another one of my favorites. Him and Statler and Waldorf are my my favorite Muppets. So uh, yeah, but him and Rizzo going at it is funny stuff, funny. (laughs) And both Sam and Rizzo have their own restaurants. Who would have ever thought? What are the odds of that? <laughs> I haven't had the food at, at Sam the Eagles yet. I, I, I was going to, and I, I guess I completely forgot. I got to do it next time. I, I love anything that's cooked and barbecued. So <laughs> that's the American way. <laughs> and Pizza Rizzo, I was so disappointed on my last trip and I hadn't been to Disney World in quite a while. And I was excited to go to Pizza Rizzo for dinner. And then right before I get there, I find out that they were not open for dinner. So I missed my opportunity to eat at Pizza Pizza Rizzo. And this was during a busy period. Yeah, it was like early January. So They probably wanted y'all to go to sit down restaurants to spend more money because the Pizza Rizzo is not very expensive. Right, right. But the food's good. I I, I loved my pizza when I got it. So um, it was uh, gracefully made by a rat. (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, and it's such a shame because, you know, as we we're talking about the original plans for the Muppets in the parks, you know, there was supposed to be the the great Gonzo's Pizzeria restaurant and it yeah. had the rats like kind of running around like any audio animatronics. You can find out more about that online listeners. But um, but it's nice that they've elevated Rizzo to that level. But yeah, he's just so ridiculously funny in that attraction in the pre-show. And, and they have... Gonzo, of course, being his his familiar partner in in comedy, and joking that he has Donald Duck in the back. So it's just a great, <laughs> so just a great quote, and the duality between the hard edged Sam and then Rizzo, who's just ridiculously funny and playful. It's brilliant. So it's very well done, and it's cool how they how they did it with the three screens. I. I I remember reading a piece about that again, that's online and I forget where it's from. I apologize, but there's a piece about um, 
I think they interviewed somebody who actually was there do, during the filming about how that was done. It's just, again, the Imagineers always knew how to rise to that level and make it even better. So, yeah, I love that. And another one, so my last one, I think this is number five. Mine is from Country Bear Jamboree. So um, this is when Teddy Bear comes from the ceiling and and then she's going back up and she goes, y'all come up and see me sometime, you hear? And then Henry goes, yeah, as soon as I get a ladder, I'll be right up. Mm-hmm. And it makes me laugh every time because it's just funny. I just, I love that. I'm sure, I'm sure they had like a little, uh, as they call it with the kids shipping where you're like, oh, I'd love to see Teddy Bear with Henry. They're cute little, cute little bear couple. But that line always made me laugh hysteric. It always does. <laughs> and it's nice that you want that attraction, that the show, which ultimately has evolved over time, they've cut down the length of the show that some of those certain great, lines, too. certain lines. Yeah, I was going to say that they purposely cut. I'm surprised they didn't cut that dialogue out, actually. Right. I was going <laughs> to comment on that. Yeah. Oh, Disney, I hope you didn't hear me. Don't cut it out. <laughs> it's a banter. I'm sure I, it's a banter. I don't I don't think it's distasteful. So <laughs> exactly, we don't need further editing, but um, yes, yeah, because <laughs> it, 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 it's a much shorter show than it used to be. So it's unfortunate, but you want to get the crowds through. Apparently, what a concept in the theme parks! You just want to get people in and out. But yeah, um, <laughs> glad you highlighted that there, Tammy. Can I tell you a funny story really quickly? When Go I was there it. in April, I was there with a friend, and we went to see the show, and we were walking out, and literally, we hear behind us this kid goes, "So what was that all about?" after seeing the show and we laugh so hard because it's like can't give you a good answer kid it's just what it is <laughs> that's great you know that should be have, do you follow on twitter overheard at disney yes i do that would I do. be i should send that, that to them yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> overheard at disney <laughs> that's great um okay so my last one from a current attraction is from monsters inc laugh floor uh, and mind you, that's a show that does not really have a standard script because it's kind of like a turtle talk with Crush where there's variations based on the interactivity with the guests. But there are some common elements. And of course, one of those being our favorite uh, head of the CDA, uh, Roz. So she says to Mike at one point, the last you laugh, well, we may not have enough power to open the exit doors. And then it just remains with her still on the screen. And then there's nervous laughter emerging naturally from the audience. And, and then ultimately the, the show continues. But it's just brilliant. It was delivered by Bob Peterson, famously with Pixar, who, who voiced Roz in the film. And it's just a great line and delivery. Oh, it's we love Roz. We all know a Roz. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that show. And I'm glad they now have the that guy sticker, the, the stickers now, because that's, oh, really? that's even okay. better. Mm -hmm. huh. Yeah. If you're picked as that guy um, in the show, you get a sticker now, which is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so. That's awesome. Yeah. It, I mean, Roz is just a, a great, you know, it, it's such a small role in Monsters, Inc. But ultimately, you know, she she made it to this attraction. She's in 
Um, she's at the kind of exit area of the attraction at Disneyland at California Adventure. And there's a lot of uh, funny uh, one-liners that come out of her there. Um, and then also um, the Monsters at Work series on Disney Plus, Roz uh, appeared on that as well. Um, also by Bob Peter, uh, Rose, Rose, not, not just Roz, but Rose, Rose. which was her was it her sister or cousin? I can't remember. Something but. like that. I saw a preview of it. I never got to watch the series yet, but I heard really great things. So I think that's that's funny that they're kind of adding on to it. And and you get to hear her at Disneyland too when she says like a quote or something to you at the end of the ride. And, yeah, yeah. But she recognizes like if you're wearing a Mickey hat, she'll comment on it. So that that's like cool technology. Again, the Imagineers have added to that where she has a snide comment to you. It depends on who's in your car. <laughs> no, and that's brilliant. And that was that debut, I think around 2006. And that was shortly after Turtle Talk debuted. So it was when Disney yes. was getting into this business of like really trying to immerse the immerse the guests more in a, in a conversation with the audio animatronics it's or, so much fun yeah it is so much fun i love i do turtle talk with crush every time every time because it's just fun to see the kids react you know and the parents get picked on too <laughs> oh yeah it, it never gets old all right well we've covered current attractions so how about we shift to some extinct ones we're gonna make you cry everybody cry yes. with laughter <laughs> <laughs> Did you want me, did you want me to go first? Yeah. Let's go back in time with you first. Okay. So, uh, the one that I was mentioning about music wise, I love food rocks. So there's the line in the show, uh, during the every breath you take, but it's every bite you take where he goes, when it comes to cheese, keep it low fat, please. When it comes to cheese, keep it low fat. I just love that line. I think it's silly. <laughs> and there's a lot of really funny, like versions, updated versions. Like they weird, they weird out a lot of our favorite rock and roll songs. And I think they're witty lyrics and everything. And I got to interview the people who made the attraction. And I told them, I was like, these are so funny. I sing them to myself. Sometimes like I'm singing, not sledgehammer. I'm singing high fiber. You know what I mean? Like, that's just what I think of in my, <laughs> my head. <laughs> Yeah, I miss that attraction too. Um, I mean, Soren's great, but I'm like, ugh, couldn't you have built the queue for Soren elsewhere? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just keep Food Rocks as like the pre-show and then go on. Yeah, a natural segue <laughs> from talking about nutrition to flying over. To flying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and what was really great about that attraction too is they brought back the original vocal talent of the band yeah, most where they're parroting most of them right yeah yeah uh uh little richard the beach boys right no oh no uh little richard chubby checker mm. and neil sedeka that sounds right? right yeah neil sedeka and they tried getting shares what they told me on the show and they didn't secure her and they tried getting Sting and they didn't secure him. But yeah, there, there were some people who did come back and, and reprise and get to sing new lyrics to their songs, which is super cool. So, but if you wanted to hear the interview, just type in my name, Tammy Tucky and Food Rocks and the interview will, will come up with the creative team. They have some great stories, really do. Yeah, it was it was a clever show and, and one that I think elicited repeat value because there was that musical element to it. So it was a lot of fun and you know, yeah. great, great lyrics as you've referenced. Um, I'm going to go to 
Uh, I'm going to stay in Epcot for this next pick. I'm going to go to Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. Um, and so we have uh, Eric Idle as Dr. Nigel Channing. And this arrives after Diane faints. She didn't land on anyone, did she? Don't worry, she'll be fine. Um, look, stay in your seats, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll blow you up as soon as possible. Uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> she didn't land on anyone, did she? Don't worry, she'll be fine. Um, look, just stay in your seats, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll blow you up as soon as possible. Hmm? You know what I mean. <laughs> and delivered perfectly by Eric Idle. So yeah, certainly not me. His his delivery is much better. No, so. you did a really good. You did a really good impression. I can't be. I can't be British, Tammy. I'm sorry. I would be offending <laughs> a whole whole sector <laughs> over there. But um, it's. He, you know, what's interesting, I heard a story, it was on um, the Disney Dish podcast recently when they were talking about the history of the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids series. And the story goes as far as how Eric Idle landed the role of Dr. Nigel Channing, that um, he was at a restaurant at the same time as Marcia Strassman, who played Diane. And during the production of, it was during the production of Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, and they had an interaction and Marcia shared with uh, with Eric that, you know, the person to play Nigel Channing has dropped out. And then that led to Idol stepping in and Ooh, what a story. Yeah. Right so, place, right time, man. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And there's a little bit more context on the Disney dish podcast, but um, it is kind of funny how that evolved, particularly because there was a whole thing on Twitter uh, not too long ago where Eric Idol completely forgot that he played uh Nigel Channing. So <laughs> I don't think he forgot. I think it just brought back not good memories because I remember he had been interviewed for D23 years ago, like maybe six years ago. So he knows about it, but I don't think like it's his most celebrated thing in the world. And I think he gets a lot of probably he got a lot of flack from people. I don't think it's fair to him because of course not. I think he elevated the attraction. I, I go on the I go on the imagination attraction still because of him. And I do love Figment, obviously, too. But, you know, he elevates every, everything that he's in. So I hope one day I get to interview him and, and let him know it's like, truly, I really do love him in the attraction. I don't think it's a goof. I feel so bad, but I think it's great that, you know, he's still featured. And it's cool to see him up on the wall. Um, it's, it's cool to see him up on the wall and Rick Moranis and Robin Williams when you go through the attraction, too. Because yeah. Eric was good friend with friends with Robin and all three of them are very talented comedians. So I love that that's still there. I know a lot of people still have a lot to say, but I do enjoy it. So, <laughs> And it was so brilliant about it is that they did use that as a thread line for the pavilion that Nigel Channing was that thread for the period yes. in which both Honey I Shrunk the Audience and the journey into imagination with Figment was in one, you know, both were in operation for about a 10 year period at the same time. And then of course, really cool. closed. So yeah, because you don't see that in, I, I can't think of many other instances where there'd be a character that straddle, like a non animated character that straddles multiple attractions. Which is an, another plus for him. He got to be in two attractions. So good on you, Eric. <laughs> yeah. So, and yeah, and he's just such a funny person. So I, I, I <laughs> knew I needed to feature him somewhere. So, 
Well, speaking of, uh, since I mentioned Robin Williams, my next one is from The Timekeeper. Um, although this isn't a Robin Williams quote, um, this is from Nine Eye, who's voiced by Rhea Perlman. And um, this one is uh, New York, New York, city of 10 million dreams and one parking space. The Big Apple, New York, New York, city of 10 million dreams and one parking space. So I, lo- I like that one because it's true. <laughs> And that was delivered by a robot character too, no less. <laughs> yes, a robot who has the New York accent. So like, I just, she's so great in it. I would love to interview her about doing the voiceover for that too, because it, it was, it became after, because originally it was a Disneyland Paris film and then it was brought over here to Disney World. So I, I would love to hear the story behind that. Like if they showed her the film prior, so she kind of got like a sense of what in the world she was doing and, and if she got to work with Robin, that would be really cool to, to ask her about. But she's funny. Nine Eye, there's a lot of great quotes in that film. Like it goes by so quickly because Rhea and Robin are quick and, and fast, but it's so much fun. And I do miss seeing that at the at, at Tomorrowland. Yeah, I've only it's funny, I saw I saw it once, but it was when it was in its seasonal status. So it was no longer like playing all the time. So I'm really lucky that I caught it in that instance. That and because, carousel were in seasonal yes. status and it was like what this is this is atrocious they're just well the one is just a film with one audio animatronic well two and then the other one has like a a lot going on carousel progress so that was so weird why timekeeper was just left alone but i don't know maybe they decided i don't know i'm not sure i know well you know i do know that i think it was shut down from what i read it was shut down right after 9-11 because it does feature new york and the two towers are in it and officially it it closed 2005, I want to say, mm, Correct. but it, it, it was open seasonally. So we did get to see it a couple of times. And when the Halloween season was there, it was used as a pass through for getting candy and the audio animatronic. I remember this, the timekeepers just sitting there, but like this, and you're going right through the movie theater, picking up your candy and leaving. So I, I, I just, that's the only other thing I remember about that, but yeah. I do miss it. I love the yeah. timekeeper. I love that name, the timekeeper. Just so cool. <laughs> oh, and, it was such, and it was such a cool concept because it, it played into the notion of Tomorrowland. That part is like an exposition area. So this is the Metropolis Science Center and you're seeing this new technology on display. Um, and per your point, as far as with um, with it going to seasonal status after 9-11, that's why on the actual um, device that you would see in the front of the room, it would it stopped at 2001. It didn't go beyond that even the, when the attraction was still oh, operating. Oh, really? Yeah, and that was to keep with the integrity of the of the film. I think what's interesting is that they still decided to keep that bit, bit of footage. I, I think it would have been hard to cut it. Like how how yeah. do you how do you cut around when you're looking at the New York, you know, scape? I, I don't know if maybe CGI was going to be prominently helped with that back then because it's 2001 and not most of the CGI wasn't great, except for Lord of the Rings is Gollum. So um, I don't know. I'm not sure, but. That would have been interesting to see. I don't think that that was the reason it was officially closed. No, I'm sure no, they could not. have updated it later, but um, yeah, it, 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 it was taken over by Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor, but I do love the Laugh Floor, so I'll, I'll t- I don't mind. I think it's a good thing and the big blue tubes are still there with the bubbles and that was yes. the Timekeeper, so they kept those, so. Yeah, it would have been nice if there was like a, like a, some, another trivia, like in the form of a line that Roz says or something, but 
the last. Oh uh, yeah, that would that would have been cool. Maybe there is something, and I, I I went to go see it, and I don't think I really saw or heard anything that paid tribute. But the theater is still there. Mm-hmm. It's it's a theater. It's a round theater. They didn't really change that. They just added seats. Right. No yeah, lane rails. No. Yeah, I, I would have loved to have seen the timekeeper stay because again, and it's also sad too, in light of Robin Williams passing that there's, that there's no, you know, yes, uh, element of him. Yeah. You know, you that know, was probably to- the last attraction that, or, or show that had his voice in it because he kind of stopped doing that. The parades right. featured somebody else as the genie, like Inspector Magic and the, and the castle shows. So yeah, uh, it would have been great to have ha- had his voice still stay, you know, uh, but at least it was there and, and you can hear the audio source online. Sometimes I like to listen to it because I just, it's, it's so funny. Like it's kind of like a stage show too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And when, when he was awarded as a Disney legend, uh, Robin Williams, I was so glad that was the first expo. And I was so glad to have been there, especially in retrospect, since he's passed oh, nice. and, and, and in the film, and you can find this online, I think it shows like kind of all of his different projects for Disney and they do reference the timekeeper. And um, so Aww. it's just, it's, it's a, it's a nice sentiment to think about because he was just one of a kind. So. Um, oh, I love that. I really do love that. Yeah. So how about you go next? Oh, okay. Uh, again, or did I just go? Oh, did you? I think uh, I think I just went. Did I do Timekeeper or you did Timekeeper? Yes, you did. Yes, I, I, I can't actually, keep track. I was like wiped. I was like, did I do I did yes. I do it? I don't. It is my know. turn. See, <laughs> yeah, I was, go ahead. I was, I was so <laughs> enthralled in our conversation about that. Okay, okay. So I'm going to stay in the vein of uh, Circle Vision, but I'm going to head to O Canada, and specifically the O Seven version with Lauren Short. Uh, and this comes during a scene when uh, you see like a fictional version of him as a child playing ice hockey. And he's and you hear Marn voice, Marn Short say, isn't it great that my parents owned a Circle Vision camera? What are the odds? Isn't it great that my parents owned a Circle Vision camera? What are the odds? <laughs> so there's that self-awareness. I don't remember that at all. But I remember the, the the show, but I don't remember that quote. That's so funny. I was actually thinking of doing a quote from that film, but I haven't seen it in forever. And I was like, I think that would be cheating. <laughs> well, what's so wonderful is because he, there's such a level of breaking the fourth wall. Um, it also materializes at the end when he says, I'm going to go get a fast pass for Soren. So, and he's like, how do I get out of here? How do I leave the Circle Vision room? So and Martin Short is another example of someone whose um, who's voice, whose persona, um, actually, we get to see him in film footage um, in the making of me film at Epcot at yes. Wonders of Life. So um, there, there and that's wasn't funny, a, too. Like yeah. there, there are some funny quotes in that, too. But they're like yeah. they're like visual. You have to see it to get the quote with it. So that's why I didn't choose that one either. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just love the, the reference to Circle Vision. So it's it's so meta and in all the best ways. Yeah. <laughs> Are we on number three now? So yeah, you're up. I think we, okay. I just yep. wanted to make sure I'm yep, like, you're good. where am I? Okay. So my next one, I'm actually, I'll, I'll stay where Wonders of Life is. I'm going to go with Cranium Command and uh, General Knowledge is in it. And he's voiced by Lee Corey Burton, who voices Captain Hook. And so at the very end of the, the short film uh, you see before you go into the theater, he goes, hey, you gold bricks, this ain't a spectator sport. Where do you think you are? Disney World? Get your strollers in line and hustle on the double. Move it, move it, move it, move it. Hey, you 
gold rings? This ain't a spectator sport. Where do you think you are, Disney World? Get your strollers in line and hustle on the double. <laughs> that was delivered pretty well, too. Thank you. <laughs> but that one, that one's funny. Uh, I, I remember we always got a chuckle out of the, where do you think you are, Disney World? <laughs> And Corey does a great job delivering all of those lines as general knowledge. So I, uh, I, I do miss that there too. I, I, I if it would have, I feel Disney could have kept it and just updated it because the theater was amazing and so advanced for its time and poor Buzzy, wherever he is. Um, uh, <laughs> if he's missing, who knows? Um, that would have been really cool for them to have like just updated it. The film was so brilliant and the animated film could have stayed the pre-show and they just update, you know, sometimes the characters or anything. I, I think it was perfect where it was itself too. I guess maybe it's a little nineties, but I, I do miss that there at the, at the park. Yeah. That's one of my favorites as well. And it was, it was kind of a time capsule in a sense, because there, there are some references to like Ernest from uh, the Ernest films in the pre-show. Like yeah, we've had some successes oh and some failures. Um <laughs> That, that is not one of my quotes for the record, but it was close. Um, and then, I think and also, that also was yeah. because like they, they, I remember they, they had talked about animating it at the, um, the magic of Disney animation building. And they had filmed, I think an earnest building on the back lot because one of the houses was from the one, one of the movies. Correct. And I forgot how much Ernest was such like a big part of the nineties of the nineties world. I, I totally forgot that big big almost as big as peewee herman i think right but right. I, nobody really talks about him anymore which is strange so yeah I, I don't even know if they're on there might be one of them on disney plus i'm not quite sure because it was like it was through the touchstone brand but yet yes. it, it but it's still infiltrated into the parks so yes yeah. um but and what's it, also with cranium command too because you had all those uh snl stars of the era as yes. the different as the different <laughs> organs in the body and we're gonna um, pump you off Hans and Franz. <laughs> exactly. It's 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 one of the most brilliant Disney attractions, I think. It's such a shame. Like especially And you can't watch it like even watching it on YouTube, you can't yeah. enjoy it into its full capacity because there's so much going on, but it's it's so good. It's it's great. I wish they would release the animated beginning at the at the beginning of the attraction, like D23, at least a couple minutes, but it's like this full five, six minute film. I wish they would release it because the animation's brilliant. Oh yeah. It's, and it's so clever in it. And again, that's why when so many folks were excited about Inside Out debuting, it's because in many ways it was a callback to Cranium Command. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. But not a lot of people like brought it up in the interview sessions. I feel like that was purposely swept under the rug and yeah. not talked about but if the attraction had been open i feel like they would have utilized it and was like and would have been like okay let's actually update the attraction and have inside out involved in it that would have been wow like i would have loved that that would have been really cool <laughs> yeah well good ideas never die as we know at disney so maybe we'll there's see. some opportunity for that moving forward i don't know i would that I would poor play pavilion. Who knows when it was going to open? <laughs> Gosh, hopefully we can get some news about that from D23 Expo this year because mm-hmm. we all we all want something there that's substantive. Um, I'm going to stay at Cranium Command for my next pick. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I ha- yeah. It was a <laughs> no brainer. I didn't for- take one of yours. No, you didn't. And it was a no brainer for me uh, to include <laughs> it. Uh, so general knowledge is also the the character here. So it's a little bit of a longer quote, but I'll still say it. So he calls Buzzy 
Blinky, you Leadfoot, if you moved any slower, you'd be going backwards, putting you in a chicken as cruelty to animals. I'm going to stick you in a squid, a lumpfish, a talk show host. Now get in line. Move it, move it, move it. Blinky, you Leadfoot, if you moved any slower, you'd be going backwards, putting you in a chicken as cruelty to animals. I'm going to stick you in a squid, a lumpfish, a talk show host. Now get in line. Move it, move it, move it. <laughs> a talk show host. Oh, spicy some of this dialogue how did i forget that line <laughs> yeah very that's a offensive. good pick yeah no and i you know i i appreciate yours as well because that the disney world line came to mind for me but um yeah. yeah i just i love the notion of of like what what humans or what animals are at the bottom of the food chain so to speak um, so talk show <laughs> talk hosts show as host. a career yes <laughs> But squid are actually really smart. So Oh, they are. Oh yeah. my gosh, they are very smart. So I, I don't knowledge. quite understand that pick, but nonetheless, I'm not gonna totally dismantle it because of yeah. putting the squid there. But no. poor cranium command. Yeah. I'm I do miss it. You're making me miss it even more. Yeah. Um I'm gonna go over to Adventureland go for, it. for the tiki room under new management. And uh, a lot of people forget that uh, Don Rickles and Phil Hartman did the opening pre-show with the two birds out in the front. And it's so funny. One of them plays William and one of them plays Morris. William is played by Don Rickles and Morris is played by Phil Hartman. And that's a play on the agency, William Morris. And uh, so they're kind of going back and forth, their agents saying who worked for this bird and who got this bird to work for him. So the line that I go to is Morris's Sorry. Anyway, babe, I've got to fly this coop and migrate back to Hollywood. My birds will call you a birds. We'll do lunch. I've got to fly this coop and migrate back to Hollywood. My birds will call your birds. We'll do lunch. And uh, I just, I love Phil Hartman. Like his delivery is so silly and ridiculous. And Don Rickles just being angry. It's, it's the perfect meld. Like you wouldn't, we're not going to get any of that anytime soon, you know, of, of their collaboration in person, um, sadly. And I think that was actually one of the last attractions Phil Hartman worked on before his sudden passing. Um, so, and, uh, I, I just, I, I, again, another sad mention of the voices not in the parks anymore, kind of similar to Robin Williams and Don Rickles, you know, he just passed recently too, but I like to give them credit because they're, their performances are very well done. So. Yeah, no, that was a nice little pre-show too. Um, it makes me think of the line about you represent big bird. No, a big bird. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was like it, a, a non-Disney reference. Yeah. Too, it's a is... non di Yeah. And you're like, wait, what? And, 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 and that show, again, that show gets so much flack and I'm like, I didn't fall asleep watching it. I actually sat and watched it. I enjoyed it. Like the, you know, the original version, I love it dearly, but you know, you have to have some like, you know, conflict there and uh, oh, is so good in it. And I, oh, I just, I miss her being in that attraction, <laughs> but, um, but I, I I'll, I'll still go to the Tiki room. I just have to bring a dole whip so I can stay <laughs> Not to be mean. I'm not trying to be mean, but there you go. <laughs> and, I had, and I had fun pop music. I mean, got to hear some Gloria Stefan. On. Yeah. Get on your feet and then get out the door. We're going to make you disappear. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I, I do miss that version. And that's why it is also on my list. Oh, um, my gosh. Look at 
us go? Did I steal another line? You did oh, not <laughs> there, because there's so many good ones in there. That's why you didn't steal it. Okay. So, wow. Look at um, us go. <laughs> but I'm sad because this one comes from another person who recently passed Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, oh yes. Uh, Gilbert. Yeah. So oh my gosh. yeah, I was thinking about him the other day. Um, and, yeah. and I love, I mean, so many of us love Iago and Iago, you know, even though he got some, you know, some some flack in in the attraction because he he made it much more wry and sardonic and uh the attraction no longer had that that same feel i love the under new management version for what it was and so there's this banter between zazu and iago and zazu here's the quote so zazu says he laughs and he says well where i come from that's called hakuna matata and then iago's line which is my pick is hunky tuna tostada what a stupid phrase but that's okay, my friend. Where I come from, that's called Hakuna Matata. Hunky tuna tostada? What a stupid phrase. <laughs> but that's okay, my friend. <laughs> and you could just imagine. Friend? <laughs> you could just imagine Gilbert uh, performing uh, him as Iago much better than me. But uh, I would have. I wish they had filmed them recording these sessions. Like just the behind the scenes, anything, you know, Robin Williams doing timekeeper, Phil Hartman and Don Rickles recording their lines, Gilbert. I am, I, if they did, I'm sure they have in the, them in the archives, but oh gosh, like that's what I want to see. I would love to see that. And uh, yeah, he, Gilbert does a great job. He can actually sing and, you know, it's in the Yago voice and he sings the never had a friend like me. And it's really good. Like he can hold the notes, you know, he's not like pitchy or anything. And, uh, and, and I just, I, and I loved his podcast too. That's what I'm going to miss is like, you know, hearing him every week. I, I, I started listening to that podcast with the first time it came out. I was listening from episode one back in 2014. So um, we're going to miss him dearly. I'm glad you picked that one. I'm really glad you picked that one. Yeah. And I'm glad that this kind of shows that even ardent Disney fans appreciate the enchanted Tiki room under new management for what it represented, because, you know, there are some people who, who bash it, but it it was oh, a really they clever bash take. It. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, don't you bash my new management, honey. It was not as bad as some other things. Okay. Okay. Superstar level. Um, it's not as bad as other things. There are worse things. <laughs> Well, oh my gosh, I, I should have thought about Superstar Limo. That oh God, was... please don't, please. <laughs> I, I'll have really horrible flashbacks. I never even rode the ride and really? I was disturbed watching it online. Yeah. I was like, who, what, and where, and how? <laughs> like, I don't, and I don't even want to know. Don't even want to know. <laughs> yeah, there's, um, I don't remember where I read it, but someone had a very vulgar way of describing how uh, Michael Eisner conceptualized it, um, which I won't repeat for the podcast, but um, well, nonetheless, it I, I wrote it several times because I, I actually went to California Adventure the first month it opened, ironically enough, and so it was it was definitely odd and and uh, nightmare inducing in many ways. <laughs> so, but I, I love the great like little documentaries online that chronicle it its development and, and demise. So, yes, I, I, I will, I will watch those. And I, I remember after I saw the attraction, I went, I got to understand why this attraction was made the way it was. And, and to the Imagineers credit, it had a whole switch and change due to princess Diana's death um, because of right. the paparazzi. So it, you, you should watch the videos about it. I think defunct plan has a really great yes. um, recap of it. Um, and you should definitely watch it to understand it. It, it, obviously it wasn't 
what it was supposed to be. And I totally get that. Um, so, but good Lord, no. <laughs> I, I'd rather deal with the Hollywood agents, the um, William and Morris, as opposed to yes. the guy in Superstar Lemo as the agent who's just so, so creepy. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh my gosh. We could go on about that, but you know okay. what? Let's, let's move let's, on to the next let's, one. Let's wipe our brains um, because um, uh, the answer to the Jeopardy question is what is brain power? And that's where I'm going over to universe of energy, the Ellen ride, the Ellen version of the attraction. So um, <clears throat> this one is, <laughs> this is my favorite. So in the attraction, if you never got to experience it, they're like three big cars that go through this beautiful dinosaur diorama because you're going back in time with Ellen and Bill Nye, the science guy, um, to understand uh, the e- energy, how where it came from. So Ellen can win the Jeopardy competition against Jamie Lee Curtis and um, Albert Einstein. And Alex Trebek, another person we lost, is also featured in it too. So um, my favorite part is when... The, the three cars, they're so huge. They have to come into the section to move along with the film and everything. So while you're waiting, there's this radio show going on. And so they go over to um, uh, Bill Nye is running the radio show. And he says, now let's check out what's happening in the wild war- world of fashion. And here's my favorite line from the show. <clears throat> Mammals are getting hairier. That's right. Wooly is definitely in. Whether you're a mammoth or a rhino. And saber teeth seem to be a growing fad in the cat world. Also look for antlers to be very big this year, as big as 10 feet on creatures like the Megasaurus. Wow. And that's the latest in the fashion world. The mammals are getting hairier. That's right. Wooly is definitely in, whether you're a mammoth or a rhino. And saber teeth seem to be a growing fad in the cat world. Also, look for antlers to be very big this year, as big as 10 feet on creatures like the Megaloceros. Wow. And that's the latest in the fashion world. I just, I, it's so ridiculous because I remember sitting yes. there as a kid like, wait, what? <laughs> I always wanted to know who that was. I could never find like the background of who the voiceover artist was, but kudos to her for making it and selling it because it's so funny. <laughs> that was a fantastic reenactment, I should say. Yeah, that was well done and very precise. <laughs> Thank you. I messed it up a little bit, but oh, well. <laughs> Well, and so, and that's a great attraction too, because it's also on my list, um, but also- ah, look at us. We're like matching today. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised in the least. We we know, we, we're of the same era. Like we know yes. like what attractions we like. Yeah. Um, I was trying I, to go for obs- more obscure because I thought you were going to go for the main ones. Oh, so no. I guess I was like way off there. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. But what I love about that example is that that's just audio. There's no- character associated with that the radio announcer right so we don't know what she looks like in film form in audio animatronic form that's a like a really unique instance of where you're just hearing a character but not seeing them outside of like a pre-show context that is yep and they don't have like a real character like that reminds me of the inspector who does the this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness like you don't see him but you, you, you know, it's a character. Like you can tell it's a character from the immediate moment that you hear that voice. So that's talent, a voiceover. And that's why I was like, I gotta, I gotta put that in there. <laughs> I, I love it. Um, and I'm going to go for a 
the main character from the attraction, Ellen. There, there were so many to choose from with Ellen's Energy Adventure. It's probably, and most people who know me know this, this is probably my favorite of the extinct attractions. I was so upset to see it go. Um, but so this comes from the pre-show. Um, this is near the beginning, and this is rather long, but I'll still share all of it. So this is Ellen. You know, you're probably surprised to see me here, aren't you? But then there's probably a lot of places you'd be surprised to see me when you think about it. If you're driving in your car, for instance, okay, close your eyes. You're in your car, no, no, don't close your eyes in the car. But right now, think about it. You're in your car, you're driving, and then all of a sudden from the back seat, I just pop up and go, hey, you just whack me in the head, wouldn't you? Well, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be nice. But then it wouldn't be nice for me to do that to you. How'd I get in your car anyway? Can you, did, did you lock your car? Maybe it was your fault. Maybe I'm just teaching you a lesson. No need to answer. You know, you're probably surprised to see me here, aren't you? But then there's probably a lot of places you'd be surprised to see me when you think about it. If you were driving in your car, for instance, okay? Close your eyes, you're in your car, don't close your eyes in the car, but right now think about it. You're in your car, you're driving, and then all of a sudden from the back seat, I just pop up and go, <laughs> you just whack me in the head, wouldn't you? That would be, that wouldn't be nice. But then it wouldn't be nice for me to do that to you. How'd I get in your car anyway? Could you, did you lock the car? Maybe it was your fault. Maybe I'm just teaching you a lesson. So rather long, but <laughs> Ellen's signature humor. Right. Um, this obviously debuted at the height of her success with her sitcom. Things went a bit downhill. But then years later, of course, her very popular yeah. talk show uh, emerged and actually it recently ended. So, um, yeah, Ellen, Ellen was huge in the mid 90s. And this her and Bill Nye, like that chemistry is so oh my gosh, it's, again, it's weird. It's like the Walter Cronkite and Robin Williams and back to Neverland. And then yeah. you have Ellen and Bill Nye. You're like, doesn't work, but it actually really works. Like you don't think it's going to totally. work. It works. And it was funny because I remember coming home from school one day and they were talking about, they were doing like a game on the Ellen show. And one of the, uh, they had like, she had to pick from several answers. And one of the questions was, who would you want to be your best friend on an adventure? And one of the answers was Bill Nye and she chose Bill Nye. So I like to take that as they both did really get along. I'd love to see them reunite. That would be really cool. And Jamie Lee, uh, Curtis to see that, but you know, I just, I always love that. And I did get to interview Albert Einstein from the film, Benny. I remember that. Yeah. And that was so great. Like, I was like, you don't have any lines in the film, but you're like there with these big celebrities and this big film that they're making. And it was just so cool to, to be able to talk to him about that. But yeah, I, I miss that attraction too. Everybody's like, it's a 40 minute sleep nap for me in the AC. I'm like, no, it, it you can't. Cause the big bang is too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess one redeeming element of Guardians, even though I haven't written it, is that there is a reference to the Big Bang. So, um, don't yeah. even I, I don't even want to talk about Guardians. Okay, no, <laughs> we'll save that for our post. Give me my Ellen. Yes, give me my Ellen and and Jamie Lee from from the nineties. Um, give me them <laughs> from the nineties, and I miss Alex Trebek. I like it when he goes zip it, Judy. <laughs> Uh, so great. Oh, yeah. God. I can't believe we both ended with a universe of energy. Like, oh. What are the odds of that? Yeah, we matched on several attractions. So we did crazy uh, Cranium Command, Tiki Room Under New Management, and Ellen's Energy Adventure. So yeah. not bad. Yeah. I, I think that's pretty darn good for the extinct attractions. We both have a love for them. <laughs> I shall say so. Um, before we close with our uh, just typical ending questions, are there any other quotes you'd like to just quickly highlight? 
No, that's actually, oh, that was my, my list because Great. yeah, that was, that was my list. I really didn't have, like I had some extras, but they weren't as funny as I thought they were going to be. So I was like, no, nah, no, nah, nah, I'll just stick with the ones I actually did choose. <laughs> but okay. you know, I, 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 yeah, there it is. We did pretty well. I think <laughs> I shall say so. Yes. Well, let's end with some uh, common questions that I ask of my guests. So I've had you on the show a few times before, as as we talked about. Uh, However, they were on episodes with other guests. So consequently, I didn't have a chance to ask you uh, my common set of Disney questions. So a few music ones for you, Tammy. Uh, What Disney soundtrack did you listen to most while growing up? Uh, Probably Tarzan. We had that in the car. That was when CDs first came out. Because we had the cassette tapes and I would listen to like, they used to have like Little Mermaid um, albums that would come out of uh, extra songs, not even from the movie. But the one I remember listening to the most in the car was the Tarzan soundtrack for sure. The whole thing, not not just the songs, like the soundtrack to it too. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, Yeah, Son of Man is kind of like my motivation anthem. Oh, it's so good. Like that entire score is so good. And uh, I think Phil Collins really did an amazing job with it. And I felt bad when they kind of were like, let's make it to Broadway. And I was like, no, no, the way you did it is not the way it's supposed to be done. Tarzan rocks at Disney's Animal Kingdom. That's the way you want you want to do a show anything about Tarzan. It doesn't need to be like a two hour Broadway musical, in my opinion. But um, yeah, I just uh, that, that I'm and again, I miss Tarzan rocks because that was so much fun to watch it. But it was very hot in because it was not an enclosed theater at the time. It's where Finding Nemo the musical is now and Finding Nemo is enclosed. But they used to sell ice cream and popsicles up and down the aisle because it was so darn hot. <laughs> well, hey, they wanted to kind of immerse yourself like as if you were actually in Africa sweltering. So oh, that was the yeah, concept. <laughs> I definitely want to swelter. It was really hot. Yeah. <laughs> Next question for you is what Disney song most recently got stuck in your head? Oh, what Disney song most recently got stuck in my head? Hold on. I actually have my iTunes playlist here and I have my most played song. So let me pull up this. Um, it looks like I was playing a lot. Um, the song from uh, Treasure Planet, I'm Still Here. Oh, yes. Fantastic. I I, I just, I it's a great song and it's a great character placement song in the film but it's it's a really it's it's so different it's it's rock but it's got the sentimental sentimental sound to it so uh, that's one i've been listening to uh recently so yeah i I enjoy that one oh me too yeah that was what led me to really appreciate the google dolls because i heard that song in that film so yeah, yeah, I I had never heard about the Goo Goo Dolls before that film and that song, and I do enjoy their music. I I wish they would um, come in my area because I would love to come and see them in a concert or something like that. You know. Yeah, me too. Um, what Disney film do you feel is the most underrated music? Underrated music, Atlantis: The Lost Empire. Uh, absolutely, James Newton Howard oh. is 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 brilliant in everything he does. And I was talking to somebody else that I was just saying that um, that soundtrack. If you watch the behind the scenes featurette, he goes into detail about how the Atlanteans are of a a race that is a mixture of all of our races combined. Basically, it's like the STEM race, I believe. And so his James Newton Howard was I think what he was trying to get at was that um, he wanted all sounds from all sides of the world. So he went out to get musical instruments and try to kind of take that. So it was like 
a combination of, of different music that you would hear from everywhere. And I thought that was so, so unique because first he has to start out in 1914 in America and Washington, DC. And then you got an adventure film. So you got Indiana Jones going and then you're in Atlantis. So you have three different music scores that are going on different, you know, film scores. And, and he really makes it so effortless in that crystal chamber sequence of three, four minutes of pure music, no dialogue is brilliant. I think that that really stands out. So I wish that it would be highlighted for, for sure in the parks. Um, they could do some background music, I'm sure, with some of the adventure music and the submarine sequence too. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, I know if if we knew each other as kids, we probably would have been fast friends just for that reason. I listened to that soundtrack so, so much and I love yes. it because, it, and it's an, and there was a thread because James Newton Howard uh, composed Dinosaur the year before and then Treasure Planet the and year after. Yeah. And you hear some of that world music in Dinosaur Treasure Planet takes on a much different like an feel. 80s. Like yeah. I love the 80s type of theme he kind of goes for for that one. Yes. Yeah. So it was I need to listen to Dinosaur. I haven't I haven't seen it in so long and listened to the soundtrack. I I I, I would like to do that because I don't think they I don't know if they have it in Animal Kingdom, which is unusual because the iguanodon from the film right. is featured in the dinosaur ride. So you would think they'd have it as a theme in music, but I, I have not heard it in a while. So I gotta take a listen James Newton Howard's the best yeah he really is and the egg travels which is the main theme from that is just just gorgeous um much like submarine from Atlantis um and the crystal chamber there's so many uh books a few book questions for you what's the most recent Disney book that you've read oh the most Disney uh, most recent Disney book I read I read uh, the woman of Walt Disney Imagineering 12 women reflect on their trailblazing theme park careers I have it right here um, and a couple of them I've interviewed, Katie Olson, Karen Connolly Armitage, um, Peggy Ferris. And uh, I think those are the girls I, I did uh, uh, interview beforehand, um, before this book came out, but it's it's brilliant. You need to get a copy of this and um, support, because, uh, support them because I, I think we need to hear more of the female voice. Um, I look back at some of my interviews and a lot of them are with males, dominantly males. And that's not a bad thing. I'm just saying that there weren't a lot of chances to hear and, and see credits from women. And I think that the book really dives into their stories because there's there's wonderful stories in there. I don't want to ruin anything. You should definitely get a copy of, of that. So that's the most recent Disney one I've read. Yeah, no, it's a good choice. I echo your sentiments. I, I did an episode where I reviewed that um, a few back. And what, what's nice too is that it's not just t- focused on their Disney careers. It kind of, as you know, like they focus on on their personal lives and, yes. and different challenges that they faced in the workplace. So I was actually very surprised in, in the best possible way that there was such a level of candor and that Disney allowed that because, yes. and, and as I said, my review of it, I, I'm also surprised by the you know, the language that's used in it too. It's, it's much more, um, it's, it's PG, PG 13. So yes. um, yeah, I, and I appreciate I think that it. That's good with the candor because like my conversations with three of them um, were pretty open. Uh, there really wasn't anything that was like off the table. And I appreciated that because you have to have, you, you can't always sugarcoat everything. You have to understand the meaning and the why behind it. And I, I don't sugarcoat the fact that my first Disney cover album was made because I, I was treated horribly by a couple people. And I was like, 
I, they were told me that I wasn't really good at what I did and I wasn't a good performer. And I felt, in, you know, I just felt horrible. And, and from that stemmed something where I was like, well, I want to prove that I can do something. And I love Disney music. And I wanted to combine that for me personally. And I was like, you know what? I, I am inspired by Disney music. I'm not going to let anybody walk over me or just pass me by. I, I want to be a part of the world and a part of people's lives and, and, and really delve into the music that made me the person I am today. And that's where I came from. So I, I, and I, and I appreciated their, their, their honesty, you know, in that book. So definitely you have to get a copy if you get a chance. Yeah. Good pick. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Um, Last Disney book question is if you could write a Disney book on any topic, what would it be about? Oh man. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, well, you know what? I love the kingdom keeper series by Ridley Pearson. I loved how he was able to like talk about the behind the scenes and create this crazy world. So mine would be, I would like to do a series about the archives. I would like to be uh, a person like have a, like a female character accidentally find herself in the archives and find out that if she touches a piece, she gets sent back to that moment, you know? So the, the beautiful um, snow globe from feed the birds that Dave Smith found because of um, somebody who was a janitor and just found it before they trashed it and kept it and gave it to Dave Smith. Like that's a fun story. And that would be cool to make it a book and then into a series. So yeah, kind of like Nicolas Cage and, and National Treasure, but with a girl in the archives, <laughs> that would be really cool. I love the concept. So maybe the, the main character comes across the Muppet balloon and then she touches it and then she's hovering over Disney yeah, she's over Studios. Dur during, during one of the, uh, what's it called? One of the hurricane seasons. Sure. Uh, I love being here. <laughs> See, the storylines can write themselves. Yes. So. <laughs> Last question for you. This is a random one. So this varies with each guest. Uh, if you could duet a song with a famous singer known for their work for Disney, who would it be and why? Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. That's such a good question. Um, so I would love to perform with Martin Short. That would be an honor to perform with him. I don't know what song. Um, but, uh, I would love to do it with him or I love, there's a love song from the Emperor's New Groove that would oh never gosh. made the film. Yes. Yes. It's called one day, one day you'll love, love me. me. Yeah. yeah. One day she'll love me. Sorry. And I would love to duet that with Sting. I would love to get a chance to do that. It would be amazing. So Sting or Martin Short, I don't mind either one <laughs> or both. That would be so cool. <laughs> That's one of my favorite songs that nobody knows about. Um, I know. Stunning. I remember so. I listened to it and I didn't like it. And I was like, I don't like this song, but I kept it on replay. Cause I was like, Hmm. Hmm. And then like slowly and maturely, I really came around to it. I'm like, this is just, it's not what you think of when you think of a Disney song, but it's so rich in texture and the, the lyrics are beautiful. So I, I cannot get enough of that song. I love it. I would love to perform that live. It would be, would be very exciting. <laughs> So yeah, you could be Sean Colvin stepping. I stand in. I could definitely see that happening. Yeah, <laughs> that, that'd be great. Um, great question. I, oh, I, yeah, so I wanted. To, yeah, I wanted to do one that was specific to you. Uh, finally, and importantly, how can listeners follow the Tammy Tucky Show and you on social media? 
so yeah, I, I do uh, usually a live show every once every month uh, on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Tammy Tucky. The next live show coming up is I believe on June 17th with the cast and uh, crew of the Atlantis, the Lost Empire. We're closing out the 20th anniversary because we did do a live three hour show last year, which you can also watch on my channel. But we're bringing some people who were not able to attend that that um, live show. We're bringing them back um, and some other people as well and surprises. And I have some Atlantis giveaways as well, too. I had so many Atlantis giveaways last time, but I have some now. And so that will be on June 17th. Um, and then also my album, if you can, uh, if you wouldn't mind donating, um, anything is, is wonderful. And I'd really appreciate it on Indiegogo.com. Just type in my name, Tammy Tucky, or go to my website, TammyTucky.com. And you'll see the Indiegogo link um, you have until July 11th. And we're going to do a live show on July 1st with some of the people who are part of my original album. You'll find me on Main Street to do a live show to raise money for the album as well, too. So I'll post more about that later. But uh, that's that's pretty much all I have so far. And I, I thank you so much for letting me come on the show and and talk about the album. It means a lot to me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely, Tammy. And it was great to, to talk through these quotes with you as well. Uh, yeah, wish, wishing you the best of luck um, with that uh, with that album coming to fruition. Um, and ultimately, yeah, great to have you on again. So thank you for coming on Notably Disney. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> And there you have it. Those were our funniest attraction quote selections. Each Tammy and I had identified a bunch of quotes, none of them overlapping, although as you heard, several from the same attractions. And there were even a bunch that uh, I had on my shortlist but didn't quite make the cut. So uh, there's a lot of humor to be found throughout the Disney theme parks, past and present. And I invite you the next time when you are on an attraction to make a note of when you hear a really dynamic quote that elicits laughter to just jot down and uh, refer back to it when you need something to bring you a smile because these certainly do the job. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of Notably Disney. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Follow me on Twitter at bnachmanreports. That's B-N-A-C-H M-A-N reports, and be among the first to find out about the release of new episodes. I also encourage you to send me an email to notablydisney at gmail.com regarding your thoughts of the show, as well suggestions for content. So until we turn the page on another chapter, I'm Brett, and thanks for listening to Notably Disney. Notably, Disney is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries. Consequently, the perspectives and opinions expressed by the host and guests are strictly theirs and do not represent the views of the Walt Disney Company and its employees. The main purpose of the Notably Disney podcast is to offer information and critiques about the Walt Disney Company.